Well, good morning. It's good to see you this morning at Calvary. Uh, that video is done by the Bible Project, and if you ever have an opportunity to watch uh, their videos, they provide a host of videos on all sorts of subject subjects, all meant to help you have a better understanding of how the scriptures fit together. Uh, even a theme like Sabbath and rest, uh, I think there's probably at least seven videos on that theme alone. Uh, and then even this week, I was listening to a podcast that they put out uh, with, I don't know how many uh, on that subject in their podcast, but it easily an hour-long uh, session podcast uh, on the Sabbath and on this passage even, uh, the verse that says, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Uh, excellent uh, materials that are done well uh, to be able to continue to teach and encourage the people of God. This morning we'll be in Matthew 12 and verse 8. And that's primarily the text. We'll uh, jump to a number of other texts. We'll reference uh, texts and sort of in the same vein that they just did as we watched, being able to see how the principles of Sabbath rest is deeply ingrained uh, in God's purposes of His kingdom uh, in creation, redemption, and in the coming consummation. Uh, as God is working to bring his people, as Hebrew says, into the full final Sabbath rest. So Matthew chapter 12 and verse 8 says this, For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Also a similar passage in Mark chapter 2, in a similar story, same story, Mark records, and it says this, And Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. This morning we want to look at this topic of the grandeur of the gift that is the Sabbath. The grandeur of the gift that is the Sabbath. Would you join me as we pray and ask God's blessing on the preaching of His Word. Our Father, we do ask that You would be with us, uh, that God, by Your Holy Spirit, You would uh, illuminate our eyes and our hearts to see and to understand. We have the physical ability to see words on a page, uh, to put those words into a sentence and understand uh, grammar and English rules, but we need your help to understand Holy Scripture and what it is you desire us to know this morning, uh, to feed us this week. And Father, would you use the preaching of your word, your Holy Spirit, as you continue to apply it, life groups this week, as they continue to look into your word and apply it uh, for your good and your glory and our greatest joy to be found in Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Number one, as we look at the grandeur and gift that is the Sabbath, we want to look at the principle of Sabbath rest as one deeply ingrained in creation and redemption. Just having watched that video, we'll move briefly through this, but it is a principle for all creation, the Sabbath is, that is ingrained in the very fabric of creation. The practice of Sabbath has been around since the beginning. It started in the beginning and will keep going for all of eternity. Your part in the story of God and the kingdom of God is one of Sabbath or rest. As a believer, your life is advancing towards the eternal rest of God when all things are made right and everything is as God says it ought to be. Creation, part of the pattern of evening and morning, pattern of making and declaring good, and yet the seventh day, as it was mentioned, doesn't have any of that. The seventh day does say all was very good as God had made, but on the seventh day, God doesn't make anything else. 
There's no, this was evening and morning, the seventh day. The seventh day, God rests, blesses the day, makes that day holy, and it ends, leaving us in wonder of waiting for that final day that is the goal of all creation, of mankind. All of the creation account has been building and expanding until day six, its climax, when man is created in God's image. God speaks and acts in the divine plural, which is new on day six. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. God had not yet done that up to this point. God blesses this creation, speaks to creation, to Adam and to Eve. He forms them. He breathes into them the breath of life. This is, without a doubt, the climax of the week, but it is not the goal. The goal was not just to make man and woman, but to bring them to be united with God forever. The seventh day gives us a glimpse of that eternal goal. What is different about the seventh day? We already mentioned it. There's no evening and morning mentioned. The Sabbath was given to Adam and Eve, who were made in God's image as a gift. Notice that the Sabbath rest, the seventh day, was their first full day of life with God in the garden. God commanded them to take care of the garden, to work and to keep it. And yet the first day of life was rest. For them, the day of rest came first, and then the week flowed from that. They didn't have to work a full week so they could rest, but they rested so that they could work. At the beginning of the creation week, there is chaos and disorderliness. And now seven days later, God can rest from his work because his creation is very good. Creation goes from chaos to peaceful. God can cease bringing order and purpose and rest. The same will be true when Jesus returns. When Satan is finally bound forever, we sang, Come, thou long-expected Jesus, come to set your people free. When God makes all things right and brings order and justice, sinners are judged, cast into a lake of fire, and God's people experience eternal rest and peace with God. The Sabbath is designed to be for God's people a small glimpse of the rest that is to come. Every time we take a whole day to cease our work and give the day to the Lord, we are remembering that one day we will cease from our striving and toil. And every day will be as it was meant to be for all of eternity. God desired this rest for his people of Israel who were enslaved to the Egyptians He desires this rest for us. And yet, as Hebrews 4 states, because of disobedience, they, and as the author of Hebrews writes, possibly us, because of disobedience, will not enter God's final rest. Hebrews 4, 8, if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so no one may, be, may fall by the same sort of disobedience. The author of Hebrews sees the physical Sabbath 
that God offered to the people, to his own people and to us. He sees the physical blessings and he also sees the future rest that God promised his people. He sees both. God rested in creation. God offers rest to his people now in the already not yet. And in the future, there is full and final rest where there is no more striving and toil, where work is beautiful and fulfilling like it was in the garden. The future rest is physical, but also spiritual. The Sabbath brings physical benefits and spiritual benefits. The Sabbath is rooted in both creation and redemption. Both the physical, our bodies, and the spiritual, our souls. And our remembering the Sabbath brings both physical and spiritual benefits. The Sabbath was always meant to be a gift to God's people, a day of rest in the garden, a day of rest for those redeemed from slavery when there was no rest, and a day of rest for us to remember our God and to trust in His work for us. The practice of Sabbath has physical benefits for us, a ceasing from work, like the fields in the Old Testament that were commanded to be left alone one year in every seven, a dependence upon God to care for our crops and fields one day out of the week, and for God to provide for us on the year when our fields were left alone. The practice of Sabbath has spiritual benefits for us as it is rooted deeply in our redemption. Spiritually, we have to trust God to provide for us. We stop to worship God. We stop from our working to remember the grand narrative, the story of God, that He is writing in our place in that story. We allow ourselves greater delight, deeper peace, growing trust, and a desire for greater obedience. We remember how small we are, how God does not in any way need us to continue on His plan of redemption, His continuing on of the purposes of all creation for all time. But of all the rules in the Old Testament, the rules about the Sabbath, they were meant to point us to the person of God Himself. God who comes in the flesh and brings with him eternal life. Our Sabbath, and because of that reason, is different from the Jewish observance of the Sabbath. The Jews observed the Sabbath or Shabbat because they were looking for the Messiah. And as they were commanded to do, they were looking for the light that was to come. But for us, Jesus has already come. Israel was learning how to be the people of God living according to what he commanded them because it would serve them best and their lives would go well as they walked in wisdom and obedience. But of all the rules in the Old Testament, the rules about the Sabbath were meant to point us to Jesus. We don't keep the Sabbath like the Jews did in the Old Testament with all of its complex rules, not simply because we're arrogant or people of the New Testament and we don't have to obey that half of our Bibles. I think there's a lot of Christians who don't read the Old Testament because they don't want to have to obey two-thirds of their Bible. That's not the reason, but we observe the Sabbath, but in a different way, for a much better reason, because the Sabbath rest has already come in Jesus, and it is in Christ that we are experiencing that rest now 
and we'll be ushered into it fully for all eternity. That, living in the Sabbath because of Jesus, breathes new life into our day of rest, allows us to see the gift that Sabbath is to us, the benefits that God gives us in our weekly giving one day of seven to the Lord. It is His day. There's grandeur in the gift that is the Sabbath. Uh, The Sabbath rest is deeply ingrained in creation and redemption. And yet for many, we don't call it the Sabbath day because of the way the Jews observed it. We refer to it as the Lord's day or day of rest. We understand it to be different than they did. And yet, can we all look at the Sabbath and the way God designed it in creation and has it set apart for all of eternity as a gift, as a gift for us to better understand who God is and what He desires in relationship with His people. But the Scripture says here in Matthew 12, verse 8, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. So as we looked at first, this idea of Sabbath is deeply ingrained in all of creation and redemption, in the grand story of God. Secondly, the power over the Sabbath is not up for grabs. There's not the ability for me to say, this is my day, this is my day off, and this is what I will do on this day. For the believer, as Jesus says here, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. What does it mean for somebody else to be Lord of a day? The day off is seen as my day. If it's merely Saturday or Sunday, and it's a day off of work for me, or whatever your day off might be, then it's, what do I want to do today? What needs to be done today? I plan activities or work projects. It's my day off. Don't tell me what to do. I get told what to do five days a week. This is my day. The Sabbath is not a day off. It is the Lord's day. It is not my time and my day to do with as I please. It is the Lord's day. Jesus says He is Lord of the Sabbath. He is the master of this day the master of rest. Notice in the Scriptures, he does not say he is the destroyer of the Sabbath. He doesn't come and obliterate it. He doesn't come and remove it from his people. If it was merely a ceremonial law, then it would have gone away with the rest of them in the Old Testament. But in God's perspective, the Sabbath is not simply we keep as a a regular festival of Old Testament people looking forward to the Messiah. But the Sabbath, a day of rest, is a gift. It is one one that is meant to bring us life. And the Lord is the master of that day. The word Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word that means to cease or to stop working. The Lord is the master of our day. The Scriptures, in giving it this title, Sabbath, and the way that we see it used in the Old Testament is a day that we stop, the stopping of our working. Pete Scazzaro, in a book that we'll reference a few times, called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, which sounds like kind of a, a fluffy title a little bit. I first thought that when I read the book or read the title. I was turned off to not reading the book because emotionally healthy spirituality I thought all you need to know is you just need to know correct doctrine. You don't need emotionally healthy anything. Really helpful book. I would highly recommend it to anybody. Sabbath provides for us now 
an additional rhythm for an entire reorientation of our lives around the living God. Did you catch that? The one in seven that we set apart as the Lord's day, he is master of this day. That practice provides for us an additional rhythm to your already hurried schedules, to all of the things you're thinking I need to do. It, it, it provides you a gift, an additional rhythm for an entire reorientation of your life around the living God, not God in your already busy life. How do I fit him into what I'm already doing? God, you're, you're big and you're powerful and you've saved me. I want to join you into my life. Let's try and find a place for you. But the Sabbath provides us to be able to take the rhythms of our life and reorient them according to the master of our life. The Sabbath is not primarily about us or how it benefits us, even though it does. Schizero continues on and says, it is about God and how God forms us by the reshaping of our lives around who He is. He is the living God. He has come and made Himself known to us. And just as we practiced earlier this gift of giving, which Others will look at the church and say, see, they're always asking for money. We see it as this gift of grace that God gives to us where weekly we are allowed to say, this is not mine. None of what I have is mine. God, we give it to you joyfully because this is not ours. The same is true in a reference of a day of rest or the Sabbath. God, this week that I'm about to live is not mine. It is yours. How do you desire we order it? In that way, prayer must be a vital aspect of our Sabbath preparation or of our Sabbath day. The intentionality to come before our master and to say, what is it you desire of me in this day and in the week to follow? God, may you allow this day to be one of refreshing and rejuvenation that allows me the joy of working the rest of this week for your glory and the good of others around me. It's a reshaping of the day. It's not the end of the week. Most of our calendars look at Sunday as the beginning uh, of the week anyway, but it's, it's this mental aspect of being able to actually order it that way. When Friday comes, we will regularly say to one another, happy Friday, we're glad it's Friday, here's the weekend. And Sunday gets lumped in with the weekend and becomes this time off that we can have. What are you going to do with your weekend? Christian, what are we going to do with the Lord's day, with our day of rest? If you are not comfortable calling a Sabbath because of Jewish regulations or observances, call it a day of rest, the Lord's day. Call it what you want. Observe it according to how the Lord leads you. We will not in this time substitute one set of Old Testament rules and say, that is not how we're to observe it with all of the rules like the Pharisees were wanting and give you a new set of rules. So in this new Sabbath or Lord's Day, you must do this, 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 and this. But what we will say is when you recognize the Sabbath, the day of rest as a gift, you will desire seeing its benefits, seeing how it leads you to recognize all of your week and time is the Lord's. I think we will desire to set it apart in the way that God desires us to, in the way He best wants to form us. 
the power over the Sabbath is not up for grabs. And setting a whole day apart for the Lord, we are reminding, we are reminded every week that this life, my very existence, all that I do is the Lord's. When I am made small again by the restorative work of grace in the Sabbath, then I am no longer worshiping myself, but aligning myself properly under the God who rules all and reigns over all. Someone reminded me recently that when we stop worshiping God, it's not as though we're worshiping Satan. Satan is not not always the antithesis of what we worship. So um, I'm not worshiping God as I ought. It's not always why I turn and worship Satan, but we're worshiping ourselves and putting ourselves on the throne. How often is our whole calendar of a week even, of our whole days, given over to what I see as necessary. We might give God a few minutes in the morning, but what does it look like to give God one out of seven? One whole day out of a week. The power of the Sabbath is not up for grabs. The Lord, the Son of Man, is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus uses that term for himself intentionally. He's the prophesied one that is to come. He is the Son of Man. He is the Lord over all things, and He's Lord of this day. And what does that look like? Number three, the purpose of the Sabbath is to serve, not to control. The Pharisees wanted to control Jesus and His disciples by means of Sabbath regulations, but Jesus says the purpose is mercy. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. The purpose of the Sabbath was to serve the people of God, was a gift, not to control them and not to force them into obedience. That's how the law always worked. The context of this passage here in Matthew 12 shows the Sabbath does not rule over the Lord, but Jesus tells the Sabbath this far and no further. We cannot tie our hands to the Sabbath as we serve the Lord. We are not controlled or subservient to the Sabbath, but the Sabbath is meant to serve us. The Sabbath's goal is good for us, not harm. It's not a mere pushing us under regulations, keeping us feeling guilty or shameful if we don't serve it, but it's to give us grace and the gift of leading us back to God in all of our week. Ours is a good and loving shepherd. One who is leading us to still waters, who restores our soul. And as we looked at a few verses before this text, one who is gentle and lowly and brings us rest. Notice the contradiction. In all of our striving and working, the passage about Jesus coming and giving us rest, taking our yoke upon himself, that we would learn of him, that we would continue working alongside his yoke, and we would find rest for our souls. And then to come into a text looking at two different Sabbath stories is intentional. The Sabbath purposes are for good. It is a blessing. It is meant to serve us. Its purpose is to bring us back to God. Can you imagine what it would be like to have to have have kept all the Old Testament Sabbath laws? You know that the punishment for not keeping those laws was death. You've probably read in the Old Testament, someone was stoned because they picked up sticks on the Sabbath. It was serious, and it is serious. But don't let all of those Old Testament rules, uh, don't let all of them, only to replace them with a new set of burdensome rules, 
that you might place over you and your family keep you from observing a day of rest or the Sabbath. Don't let it dig you down into guilt for not keeping it as you feel like you ought to keep it. May you continue to seek God as what this day would look like and intentionally setting it apart as a day for the Lord. Its purpose is meant to bless you. The Lord's purposes are good. He is gentle and lowly, and He cares for us and desires to bring us to rest for our souls. Lastly, my practice of the Sabbath reflects upon God. Just as the disciples' practice of eating grain as they're walking through the fields brought about this question being asked to Jesus, so also the way that I observe the Sabbath as recognizing, if you say Jesus is Lord of your life, then why do you live exactly like the rest of us? How is your life showing, revealing any different practice? How does your practice of the Lord's day, a day of rest, a Sabbath, Reflect upon God as Lord of your life. How does your calendar reflect that you worship the Creator, one who desires to reorient our schedules around Himself and not merely about our, around our own projects and ideas? Your practice, my practice of the Sabbath reflects upon God. How I view Sabbath and rest reflects upon God. Am I showing others around me I trust in God's care and provision for me if I'm working nonstop 24-7? Not at all. Am I showing that I'm different from everyone else around me if I'm grinding it out all week, busy all weekend? No. Am I living a life free from the demands of the culture? If I'm working like the rest of the culture, enslaved to the twin rulers of time and money, not even close. I show my family, my neighbors, my coworkers that I am free from the tyranny of work, success, and culture by taking one whole day to rest. One whole day to be with God. One whole day that says, this is the Lord's. God, how do you desire we use this? This is a good gift that you have given to your people. You delight in showing us in our observance of this day the goodness of what is to come. How can this day, whether it's Sunday, and for probably most of you it's Sunday, for many of you it's not. Some of you guys are firefighters. I could see you, some of you. And some of you aren't here because you're out fighting fires or working. And your schedules are all over the place. But for me, my schedule cannot have my Sabbath rest be a Sunday. And so that practice has to be on a different day. And maybe you're the same. But for most of you, it'll be a Sunday. What does this day look like in regards to work, in regards to activities, in regards to relationships, in regards to technology? You show your family, neighbors, and coworkers that you are under, you are in submission to the Lord of all creation and not to the culture, not to work, not to success, not to money, not to your schedule. By the way, you observe a day of rest in the Sabbath. Again, Pete Scazzaro says, by the very act of refusing to succumb to the enormous pressure of Western culture around us, we too serve as a sign of a free people. We have been called out of this world, trying to prove its worth and value by what it does or possesses. We are deeply loved by God for who we are, not for what we do. 
with one day, we want to be able to say that we are the Lord's, that we love the one who has loved us, that we reverence him, that we'll honor him in a special way according to how he has commanded us. Not all of us. Your day looks different than mine, but in this day. And so someone recommends four things that looks like what our Sabbath should have. Again, not rules, but these four items are super helpful to be able to grab, and they'll be really practical for us. Number one is stop. Stopping. The Hebrew word Sabbath is to cease or to stop. Sabbath is a day of stopping. Most of us feel we cannot stop until we are finished what we are doing. However, the list of what we have to do keeps growing. I'll slow down when I have kids. I'll slow down when the kids are in school, when the kids are grown, when I've saved enough for retirement, when the soccer season is over, when the project is done, when my degree is earned, when dot, 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 one thing keeps coming after another. When I thought I was in the busiest season of life, in the midst of working, not quite full-time, going to seminary full-time, I had a professor that told us, this is the easiest you will ever have it. And I said, you are crazy. I am pulling all-nighters. I am swamped. And then, welcome to having children. And I found, I, I actually, those days were pretty easy. I'm pulling all-nighters, or not quite, but you know what I mean. We're busy, and all of a sudden it gets busier and busier, and we keep adding and adding without pulling anything off. Project after project comes. We make good, you know, we say these are good things. I'm serving someone. I'm doing something for somebody else. It's a Bible study. It's a life group. It's this, it's that. It's all these things. And they might all be good things. And yet on one day of the week, one day we are called to stop as God does. But one day, on the seventh day, God stopped. The core spiritual issue in stopping revolves around trust. Psalm 46, verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Matthew 6, 25 says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? The core issue in stopping is trusting. Do you trust God enough to stop. That's the first one, stop. Number two is rest. When we stop, the Sabbath calls us to rest. God rested on the seventh day. He wasn't creating. He stopped from his creation and he rested. He certainly doesn't rest because he's tired. He is the eternal God who can do all things at all times. He is fully sustaining the universe every millisecond. God does not need to rest because he's tired. He rests to show us the goodness of life with him and what is to come. Now, your rest can certainly be a nap, but more important than mandating a nap on a day of rest or a Sabbath is to see the Sabbath activity in whatever delights and replenishes you. So what do you do for work? On your Sabbath or day of rest, don't do that. Are you working with your hands all week? Then rest by reading a novel 
going for a long walk, doing some fishing. Whatever takes your mind off of your work, one author writes. If you work on a computer with emails and documents, spend your Sabbath outside with the phone off and in a drawer. Do you trust God enough to rest from your work? The issues are spiritual, not just, this is my day. I need to order my schedule. Few things, David Murray writes, are as theological as sleep. Show me your sleep pattern, he says, and I'll show you your theology. Because we all preach a sermon in and by our sleep. How much sleep are you getting at night? Are you able to sleep well? Do you struggle with sleep? Are you anxious? Are you wrestling and turning at night? Show me your sleep. Do you trust God enough to sleep well, what your body needs? Remember, the Sabbath is a gift to you spiritually, but also to your body physically. Your body needs rest. Do some research on what it looks like when your body is constantly working with no rest, what it looks like for those who get short amounts of sleep. Oh, I don't need much sleep. I used to think that. You know what? I needed a whole lot more than I thought. And I've changed my schedule And it's been a whole life-giving experience for me. I go to bed quite a bit earlier, and I get up really early, and I love it. But being able to find the groove that your body works best in, maybe it's looking into medical care to be able to find that, a sleep study or something. You might have something physical that keeps you from getting good sleep. But being able to rest is a trusting in God's sovereign care over us. There is serious theology in the way that we sleep. What does your rest look like? What does your day of rest look like? Do you use it as a day to catch up on work, a day to run errands furiously before the week starts back up? Or do you use it as a day to rest and refresh, get restored for the week ahead? What do you need rest from? I would encourage you to take at least one day a week. On your day of rest would be most appropriate and rest from technology that drains you. Rest from technology. If you don't know what drains you, rest from it all. Put your phone away. Put your computer away. Don't watch the news that day. Don't watch TV that day. Don't look at your phone. Don't look at social media. When all of a sudden our anxieties or uh, our desire to be built up and encouraged is driven solely by what we find on a device... We're no longer coming to the Lord and saying, this is your day. But again, we're feeding and we're needing us to be met with what I need, what I want. I need to be in control. I need to see my texts or the news. It's an aspect of control, not of one of submission. What would it look like for you and your family to put your devices away for an entire day? You might be able to say what is life-giving and what is good for our family, what replenishes us, is watching a wonderful movie, a well-played-out story. But for many of us, it might be resting from worry, from technology, and from the work of the everyday. Watching the news reminds you of all the things that you feel like are out of control. And how can I fix it? All on the day I'm supposed to be resting. Take the gift of Sabbath. Take it regularly. One author, Wayne Muller, says, take the gift of Sabbath regularly. If we don't allow for a rhythm of rest in our overly busy lives, illness becomes our Sabbath. Our pneumonia, our cancer, our heart attack, 
our accidents create Sabbath for us. Take the gift of Sabbath regularly, or you might be forced to take a Sabbath because of the exhaustion and unhealthy pace of life. Just like with sleep, do a little research into an unhealthy pace of life and see what that leads to. Physically not serving your body well. Even Aesop of Aesop's fables got this when he says, if you keep a bow always bent, it will break presently. But if you let it go slack, it will be the fitter for use when you want it. Rest. Stop. Rest. Number three, might be a surprise, but delight. In the creation account, God saw all he made and it was very good, day seven says. There was delight and satisfaction. There was joy in what God made. It was just as he desired it to be. The idea of us delighting in all God has given us on the Sabbath is radical in a culture like ours. That is, our culture is delight deficient. Because of the way the pleasure and delight have been so distorted by our culture, many of us as Christians struggle with receiving joy and pleasure. Take your Sabbath to stop and delight, enjoy the creation and its gifts. God has given us this incredible world that all points to his power, creativity, and goodness. He filled this incredibly, uh, this creation with incredibly diverse and wonderful people who are made in his image. So stop and smell the roses. Make time to make delicious food and enjoy the eating of it. Slow down on your walk. Walk for taking in nature, not to accomplish a goal or a purpose. Enjoy unexpected drives. Enjoy conversations with neighbors, delivery drivers, shopkeepers that have no other goal in mind other than to get to know somebody whom God has created in his image and lives maybe in your community. Being able to see the beauty and diversity of people all around us. Pay attention to people. Delight in your children and your parents. The gifts that God has given to you. Take time to be with people, not for a goal. Just eat breakfast with them. Just to simply sit and watch them eating breakfast. To enjoy the fact that you have somebody to sit and eat breakfast with. Or someone, a friend that you enjoy this meal with. Have people over. Enjoy the conversations, not simply to propose a business plan or a multi-level marketing scheme. And play. Delight in playing a game or a sport, not just to advance in something or to learn something new with a purpose, but just to enjoy the game and the people and the dance and the playing together for the joy and fun of it. The exuberance that God has given to you and the people he has given you to be with. The fourth commandment is sometimes called the bridge commandment. Do you know why? Because it bridges the first three, which focus solely on loving God and seeing him as preeminent. And the rest that look at loving others. How do we do that? We do it out of a place of rest and restoration, out of Sabbath keeping. Maybe also why the Sabbath command is by far the longest. Number four, first we stop, we rest, we delight. And number four, we contemplate or we worship. Lastly, the Sabbath day is to be a day that is kept holy. It's mentioned this in both Deuteronomy and in Exodus when the command is given. It is God's day. It is a day for worship. 
your stopping, your resting, your delighting are all done to strip you of your agenda and your hurried pace, to slow you down, to see God in yourself. Pondering the love of God remains the central focus of your Sabbath. Throughout Jewish and Christian history, Sabbath has included worship with God's people, where we feast on His presence, the readings and study of Scripture, and silence. That's one thing that's missing in a lot of our days, isn't it? Silence. Maybe in the midst of your meditation, contemplation, worship, may God allow you opportunities for silence, to be able to be with God, to commune with Him, and to be silent before Him. Sunday remains the ideal time, as we mentioned, for Sabbath-keeping whenever possible. And while some of you might not be able to maintain a Sunday day of rest or Sabbath, some of you can't even maintain the same day of week every week. And so for your family, it takes a little bit more intentionality. Okay, this week, Dad is off on Wednesday. Next week, it's Tuesday. The following week, Thursday. And we only know a month in advance, maybe. The big picture is intentionality. There's preparation for that day. What does it look like to prepare a meal that is going to be festive and joyful, uh, that's not going to be focused on the work, but creating good and delicious food? It takes some preparation, doesn't it? Maybe marinating that meat the night before, maybe even cooking and baking some things the day before, the night before, maybe having that delicious meal the night before, getting yourself ready and preparing, looking at the scriptures, singing, gathering, praying, asking God to bless your family as you prepare to rest well. Gather with the saints to worship, to dwell on the goodness of God and all that Sabbath points towards. The Sabbath, remember, is a gift. But these Sabbaths are not the goal. They are meant to point us to the day of rest that is coming when our Savior returns. A day that will certainly include work but we work in a far different way when all things are made right. Robert Murray McShane said, a well-spent Sabbath, we feel to be a day of heaven upon earth. If you've ever had a wonderful vacation that included serious rest, little to no technology, maybe you're out in a place where there is no service, those are sometimes the best places to be. And to be able to have a day, a week, or days of just pure enjoyment and rest, think, doing things that are refreshing and life-giving, you find yourself not wanting to come back. But when you do come back, you are genuinely refreshed. It's like a day of heaven upon earth. But for the family, for the single mom, for the parents, for the grandparents, anyone who feels discouraged at the idea of Practicing the Lord's day or a day of rest or a Sabbath day and with more and greater intentionality, remember that there is rarely an ideal Sabbath. A.J. Swoboda says, but the presence of problems has never historically been reason to ignore the Sabbath. He goes on to tell the story of how Jews maintained Sabbath observance as much as possible in the concentration camps. And he says, I wonder... Whether adversity is a sign that we are doing something right by entering into the Sabbath and enjoying the rest that God gives to his people, what does that day of rest look like for you, for your family? Remember, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath, not you and not me. 
May it be a day in which we set apart to be resting. And as the Bible project that we watched the video on gives in an article on the Sabbath says, when we observe the Sabbath well, we become little resting places of God's presence. And that affects others. And that affects us and how we minister to God and to others. Would you join me as we pray and ask the Lord's help and His blessing? Our Father, we are grateful that you give to us a gracious gift of a command, this beautiful blessing in a day of rest or a Sabbath, a ceasing from our labors, not to be uh, an entanglement upon our schedules, but to be something that will actually give us life, that our schedule might be one that serves us, not ties our hands behind our backs and becomes a cruel taskmaster. The Sabbath was given as a gift to man, not man for the Sabbath. Father, may we recognize in the way that we order our day, the day of rest, the Sabbath, that it is yours. And would you please give us clarity And what would be best for us to be doing on that day? How best may we uh, grow in our worship and admiration of you? How best may we love others, rest well, delight in all that you have given to us? And in what we do on that day, show you that we trust fully in your good and sovereign purpose, that you are in control and not us. Father, would you give us grace? Would you give us clarity to look at the day as yours, not to be burdened down by all the uh, rules that somebody else or we might place on ourselves, but may it be a gift to us, to our families, to couples, to this church, and Father, a whole church experiencing a well-rested Sabbath will affect our community. And what would that look like to be salt and light in this way to those around us. Father, would you continue to give us grace? And we are thankful for the gift of Sabbath. And we ask your blessing on our desire to look into it more by your spirit to pursue it and to put into practice things that would point us back to you and your desire for our week and rest that is to come. Oh, we love you. We ask your blessing on the remainder of our time together. Amen.